Okay, welcome to another episode of the Break It Down for Bracken's podcast. Today we have Jen Blumberg. She is a friend of mine, a friend of Jenny's. She's a bro. She's in bros and bras, rather. She's definitely a bra, not a bro. Um, <laughs> she's a professional dog runner. Don't know what that is. It's similar to a dog walker that moves faster. And um, she's considering starting a business, walking dogs and running dogs for fitness, but I'll let her explain that. Um, she's done over a year of market research here in Jefferson County, and she feels like it's a good move. So let's hear what Jen has to say about that. Jen, thanks and welcome to the Break It Down for Brackens. Thank you for having me. Great. So tell me about your background. Where are you from? Where have you lived? Your family, education? Well, I am actually from Washington, D.C., which is extremely unusual. Most people don't are actually from there. They just moved there at some point in their lives. But both of my parents are D.C. natives. They went to Calvin Coolidge High School. My mom even went to AU. And when they got married and had kids, we didn't move very far away. I grew up right outside of the city in Maryland. Uh, lived there most of my life. Uh, I went to college in North Carolina, but I came back home afterwards and crashed with my folks for a few years. And then I moved out, uh, lived in Maryland for a long time, thought I would live in Maryland forever. Um, and Alan and I, my Alan and my husband, uh, we got married and ended up taking a little sideways journey to South Carolina lived there for five years and moved back in South up, Carolina, uh, right outside of Charleston in Somerville. Oh yeah. Yes. And, um, when we were looking to move back up to the DC area, my husband suggested West Virginia. I was not as keen on that idea. Uh, it took a little bit of selling. Um, what, did, what did he know about it? Why did he recommend this area? So he ended up getting a job in Northern Virginia and having, again, lived in the D.C. area our entire lives, we knew that real estate is really expensive. Um, and we had used to live in Frederick, Maryland, and even to move back where we were was going to, one, be too expensive, and two, it would have been really like a super long commute for him. Um, and Northern Virginia is ridiculous. Um, you know, we would have been in like a little tiny condo with three people and a dog and a cat. <laughs> Who's the third person? Oh, my son, Caleb. He is nine. He's probably going to run around through here at some point. So don't be surprised. Okay. Um, and, uh, it's a lot cheaper to live out here. You know, in South Carolina, homes are pretty inexpensive. So we had a really big two-story home in South Carolina. And then moving back up this way and thought of downsizing as much as we would have to to live in Northern Virginia just wasn't an option. So Alan really had done some looking around. And we'd always gone to like Harpers Ferry in that area and done hiking and stuff there when we lived in Maryland. Um, maybe not, again, we didn't live that far from here, 
it was just wrapping my brain around the idea of living in West Virginia. I had certain notions of what that would be like. Right. Yeah. I the, was wrong about the everything. stigma is right. Yes, there is a stigma. Um, and uh, then we checked out Charlestown. I love, I love my house. I love my neighborhood. I'm glad that we moved here. And then I have just met the most wonderful people since we've lived here. Um, I feel very lucky and I will tell people all the time, I have never been so happy about being wrong about something in my entire life. That's really I was good. sure I was going to be miserable and turns out I was wrong. So how long after you moved to West Virginia did you find Bros and Bras? Which if people don't realize, it's a social and fitness club that has about 25 monthly events where people get together and do walks or runs or hikes and socialize and stuff like that. It's a great way to meet people. But how long yes. was it after you had moved that you um, <clears throat> found Bros and Bras? It was a few months. Because we moved here in August. And then like school and all that stuff started up and I'm trying to remember, it was either like late fall. So maybe October ish that I came out the first time because I don't feel like I waited till the spring, but I do remember my very first time coming out to a bros and bras event. And again, I was very wrong. Uh, it was a Thursday abolitionist run, but, um, you guys were still having like a board meetings, I guess, because that there was a board meeting at Abolitionist when I got there. And I didn't know anybody. And I walked in. And um first it was like, oh, they're they're outside in the outside, you know, the outside seating area at Abolition. I walk out there and it's like I, they're having like a meeting. And I'm like, oh well, I'm gonna go interrupt that. So I go back inside. And I'm standing there and Al I made Alan come with me <laughs> because I was nervous about meeting people that I didn't know. Right. And I think the first people that were there, it was Jack and maybe Sandy and like some other older gentleman. And so like, this was my first, I said to my husband, I said, I don't think this is the group for me. I thought it was just a bunch, that sounds terrible, a bunch of much older people. And I was, I, uh, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is the right fit, but I was like, but I'm going to wait. We'll see what happens. And then more people showed up, um, and we did our thing. And that's when I found out like some of the people walk and some of the people run. And then that's kind of like that separation of groupings. Uh, and then we came back and Alan didn't run, but he stayed at abolitionist while we were out and we came back and then everybody went outside. We hung out and we had pizza and we just had a great time. I met the Thompsons that night, Vicki and Patrick, and like they ended up sitting with us. Turns out Patrick grew up like in the next town over from me. <laughs> so oh, cool. yeah, it was really funny. Um, and so we just ended up chatting and it was like a great time. And, then it was like, okay, well, when's the next event? And um, kind of well, just- How did you find out about us initially? I'm gonna assume it was Facebook. I don't really remember, but I'm, I think it was Facebook. I think I probably- well, If we were still Facebook. having board meetings, that was quite a while ago. Well, we've lived here for two and a half years. 
So wow, that's not that long ago. No. All right. Well, um, so what else happened since since you uh, since you joined the group? What else? What, what what other experiences did you have that you that were not what you thought they would be? <laughs> um, you know, I I've had nothing but positive experience, like with this group. Um, I have lived a lot of places, so a, a lot of places in Maryland as a Alan and I kind of, our relationship developed, we kept moving around. Um, but I probably didn't join any sort of groups until we lived in our last house in Frederick. Um, and cause I was working full time all the time and running was always like a little sideline activity for me. I was never a serious runner. Um, I didn't get really into running per se until when I got engaged, um, a good friend of mine and myself, and we worked together, we got engaged like within a week of each other. And then like we ended up, our weddings actually ended up being a week apart as well. And we had this idea to get fit for our weddings. So we would like look great, you know, we would start running, but neither of us had any sort of running background. I ran track in high school, but like not competitively. I did it as to have an activity after school. Sure. Um, and so our running plan to get fit, I know you're gonna love this being a runner. We would do one 5K a month. That was our plan. That's three miles a month. I don't know what kind of exercise we Oh, <laughs> so it wasn't a 5K race that you trained all month for. It was okay. just three miles per month. That's it's really silly when I say, yeah. um, so I Did hadn't ran, no, <laughs> uh, and I hadn't ran like for any sort of reason since I was in high school, but like, and I thought, okay, three miles, that's like, whatever, that's nothing. I mean, I was pretty young. I was 28, I guess. Uh, so the first 5K we signed up for, I'm like, that'll be no big deal. And I go out there and I ran the first mile. I did run. And then I walked most of the rest of it. And then I think I might have ran like that last half mile. It took me like, it was probably 45 minutes or so, close to an hour to do that first 5K. And I was like, man, that's... <laughs> <laughs> was a good idea uh so and my friend she did better than me but also she wasn't a runner so she's like we gotta come up with a better plan like our plan is not a good plan um so we found a local running group which uh i lived in montgomery county in maryland so we joined the montgomery county roadrunners and i'm sure you're familiar with like roadrunner clubs of america you know it's all over the place um and that was a great group. Um, it's much different than Bros and Bras. They like have a whole, they have like training plans and you'd like, you, you group out by paces. So like when you go on long runs, you're running with the same pace group. It's more structured, I guess, than like Bros and Bras. But it was good for me at the time because I hadn't ran in so many years and I literally had like zero clue as to what I was doing. Um, 
And I did, I met like a nice group of people. It was not social like, like we are. Um, we were social in that when we would go on runs together, we would talk. Uh, and I stayed with them all the way through training for my first half marathon. Um, and like that social aspect was probably the only thing that got me through that. Cause we would go on long runs and just talk about like whatever. Um, but I didn't make like lifelong friendships out of that group. Uh, then when we moved up to Frederick, um, and then Caleb was born, I joined a mom's run this town, which is again, it's another nationwide group. Um, but they weren't very, they didn't do a lot of activities together. Like we'd get together and do some runs. Um, then a couple girls in my neighborhood, we started our own running group. Uh, we were the Urbana Soul Sisters. <laughs> and, but again, it was like, that was all, that was super casual. None of us had any idea how to run a running group. Like we, my, the girl who got the idea, she was like a collegiate level runner. Like she was super competitive. And like the rest of us were like, we're just moms. Oh, <laughs> I, I do that. So um, it was fun though. And we got matching shirts. That was. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I listened to the podcast you did with Pam. And one, I was, it was funny to me that her running group was also named the Soul Sisters and they had matching shirts too. It must be like a thing. <laughs> it absolutely um, is a thing. That's part of what inspired our club is matching shirts. I was like, it'd be cool if we shirts. could be like, we had like a flag and maybe like matching shirts and we're like a fitness gang and we could get fired up before a race. <laughs> That'd be good. And then, but we wouldn't take it too serious because we go to the restaurant or a bar afterwards. We don't care who's yes. winning. It's, it's just more of a, let's be a, a really soft gang of fitness. That's what you were doing with the Soul Sisters. So was Pam. Yes. So was so many other people. It's it's but like so her Soul Sisters was like a huge group. Ours was like there was like six of us. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, really, if you have six people show up, that is a successful outing as far as anybody's concerned. You know that's yeah, and we that's even hosted one race. <laughs> we did a turkey trot in our neighborhood one year. Um, and we got it like timed and everything. It was like a big what? deal for us. I know. Who, who was in charge moved, of that? So I don't know if they kept, I think they kept up with it. Hmm? Who was in charge of that? Uh, um, the girl who started our group. Uh, but she, I don't think she lives in Urbana anymore. Um, it's funny because we started a Facebook page and every once in a while, somebody will randomly post on there. And I guess I still belong to it because I'll get a notification. So I don't know. I don't, know if they're still doing stuff together um and then <clears throat> so again it was like we ran together but it wasn't like a family per se and then for our years in south carolina i tried joining the moms run this town there but it's based out of charleston so they did a lot of running stuff in charleston i lived like 45 minutes away from charleston to drive there to meet up for a run was ridiculous. Uh, Somerville itself didn't really have a lot. Um, sometimes they would meet like in other towns closer to me and I would go to a couple of those things, but we didn't have, I didn't have a relationship with any of those people. Um, I lived in a huge neighborhood and a few people in our neighborhood tried to start running groups. Um, nothing ever came out of those either. Uh, so when I moved here and found bros and bras, I don't know what I was expecting. Uh, maybe 
more like all these other groups that I belong to, or it was like, we get together for runs, but then outside of that, there's nothing. Um, but again, I was really wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. Yes, and uh, I love the fact that you guys really focus on the social. In fact, um, this summer, uh, for the West Virginia Day 5K, my cousin was w in town, and I, <laughs> I like conned her to come do the run. Um, and I was like, "You need to come and do this thing. You have to meet my running group." And I showed her the Facebook page, or I think that's what it was. And she goes, right. "I love that it says social and fitness. Like they put the social first. And like she was the first one to like point it out to me. And I was like, "But it's true. Like that's what I think the emphasis is." It's like the running is like a like a side event, <laughs> but it's more about developing relationships. And through your group, I have made in the short time, really, if you think about it, I have made like just great friendships. Um, I consider it a family, and I didn't, I wasn't expecting that in the least bit, and so pleasantly surprised. And it's it's not my group it started off well, as my, it started off as my group but that was literally five years ago and that lasted for about three months and as it grew <laughs> into some people who were very dedicated to fitness and some people who were very dedicated to social somehow and i think sarah thompson says it best she's like in podcast six or whatever she says the fact that we go out for a walk or a run ties us together when we come back for the social. So instead mm -hmm. of being on different sides of the aisle, Democrat, Republican, religious, not religious, for rock wool, against rock wool, all these different positions that you can hold in your life. She says that because we run together or walk together, we are tied together in that fitness and that activity when we spend time together. And it, it, it makes all other barriers not exist because together we just walked three miles. We just ran yeah. three miles. And it's it's a bonding that's really nice. And I never saw that coming, you know? And this this group is, you're, you're, what I love is that you're saying that two to two and a half years ago, we were so much more organized and we had to focus on stuff. Man, if you could have seen it in year 1.5, it had blown your mind. The amount of really fun socials we did, and the we had at that point we had fifty-five events per month. All of all, yeah, it was almost double what we have now. It was absolute <laughs> insanity, and it was it was growing incredibly. And it took it genuinely took forty hours of my week in the summer. I was working with it forty hours a week, and that's what led that's to the, the clubhouse downtown, and eventually led to the t-shirt company and us putting on the 5Ks and stuff that we were doing. But all that comes with having time. And mm -hmm. knew a year before you even got here that I was going to be busy with additional work responsibilities and opportunities. So I was trying to find someone to step in as the new executive director, because back at that point, we were a nonprofit. Um, which is probably one of the biggest business blunders of my life was making it nonprofit. But you got to learn, and that's okay. So I, I love that it's still organized, but it's still organized because of people like you, even though you may not want to accept it, but people like you, Amber, Jack, Bacon, Melissa Kerr, 
every leader, and there's probably 40 of them that could say I'm a lead, they could personally say that they wanted to, I'm a leader of Rose and Bras, and they, they help keep the organization flowing forward. They keep coming up with the new ideas on things to do to challenge ourselves. And it's, that's, that's a real beauty in it. But it, it was different. It was different years ago. And what's really incredible and what, what's going to be fun to see is how when the quarantines and things lift and people start doing getting back out there, no matter how slow it is, I know that bros and bras will pick up exactly where it was. Like it'll never, it, it, there's no squishing this. And I was actually talking to somebody a while back and they even been on a podcast. I can't remember, but it was more about what would happen if me and Jenny weren't here anymore, you know, would it, would it still continue on? And I believe it would. And Jack, I believe is who I was talking to. He believes it would also. And that, that, that just, that rubs me right, man. I love that. I love the fact that, it's so on its own, it's grown up, it's out of college, it's got its own family, it's got its own house, doesn't even live near me. So it's not like coming back home all the time, but it can, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's so mature now that I love that it would grow into whatever it is and that people like you can move here, kind of see something on social media and come check it out and just be happy. And I'm sure some people aren't happy. Some people want competitive groups and like, there's some competitive people, you know? Yeah. But like I said, I, a lot of the organization and the back end work shut down because I didn't have time. That, that's a nice segue into when people don't have enough time to walk their dogs. <laughs> How do you come up with the idea of dog on a run? Well, that's a good question. Um, so when we moved back this area, um, from living in South Carolina, I, I had been working part-time down there. Um, I, <laughs> I have not had a full-time job since Caleb was not uh, 10 months old. Um, and, and now he's nine, so it's a long time. <laughs> um, and I like the idea of being home for my my child, you know, being here in the morning when he leaves to go to school and being home when he gets home from school. So when we moved here, originally I was going to find another part-time job. Um, you know, I had no ideas in my head to start a business of my own. I'll find something to do. Um, in fact, I even went into Two Rivers <laughs> to look to see if they were hiring, like, you know, I, again, I'm not a serious runner, but I run. I'd gotten stuff there before. Um, kind of looked around and nothing was really biting. And, uh, you know, Alan is like very patient <laughs> and was like giving me freedom to kind of figure out what it was I was going to do. And he's like, but, you know, what's going on? You know, I don't need to be home all day. My son is at school. <clears throat> so I don't even, I actually have no idea where I came up with the idea. Um, well then, well then who was your first customer? How did it come about that you were available to well, walk somebody's dog? So I think what happened was I was trying to think about like things that would be helpful. Like, okay. I, I don't necessarily 
know what I want to do like for a part-time job. I knew I've worked in so many different offices and stuff and office work is not for me. It to me is like, like sucks your soul out, like to sit behind a desk all day. And I did it for a long time. And I always knew like, I'd rather be doing something outside and, you know, feeling like I'm making a difference to somebody or helping somebody out. Um, And so I guess, in all of the years of working and everything, like we've always had dogs and we've had people had to come in and take care of our dogs for us before. And so I think that maybe I, I probably read something or saw something and I probably just said to Alan in like a side note, like, what do you think if I walk dogs? And Alan in his usual way was probably like, sure, if you can make that work, give it a go. So I'm like, well, okay. Um, I don't want to just do dog walking. I, I looked it up, you know, there are plenty of dog walkers in this area. Um, I think you need something that sets you apart, makes you a little different. Um, and again, I hadn't been doing any serious running, but I'm like, what if you ran with the dogs? Like my dog, um, although he's 14 now and he's not much of a runner when he was younger, he's an amazing runner. And I used to take him running. I thought, other people must have dogs that like to run. I don't see that as something that people are advertising, like dog running. I did look it up. There are people who do offer that service. Um, <clears throat> so it wasn't necessarily a novel idea. And I went on to, our neighborhood doesn't have a Facebook page. We use an app called Nextdoor. And I just threw something up on Nextdoor, like, if uh, anybody needs any help with dogs, I'll take them for a run. I'll take them for a while. I just, I don't know. I wrote like a little blurb and stuck it up there and kind of just, uh, well, I'll let that go for a little bit. And if nothing hits, I'll go find a part-time job and I'll go do whatever. And um, one of my neighbors contacted me pretty shortly after I put that ad. Um, she is an older woman and her daughter was living with them and her daughter has a big dog and he has a lot of energy and her and her husband can't take the dog on midday walks. Um, they have a fenced yard that let him out. She's like, he really needs more than that. You know, would you like to come by and meet him? And I was like, okay, sure. So I go by, meet the dog and meet the people. Um, they're still clients of mine right now. I, I they're very whenever they're, they're whenever they just need help is when I take care of them. Um, but with her daughter's dog, it was like he needed a run, you know, three times a week, and I was like, okay. Um, and she's like, well, what do you charge? And I was, I had no idea. <laughs> I, I was even... gonna, I was gonna ask you that next. You know, so. I like to start businesses and I like to daydream about starting businesses. So this is right up my alley. And I, I love I had I've never been, started a business, so I had no I idea what I was doing. I know I wish and, I had known. I would have contacted you. Well, I, who knows if I'm doing it right. But a little <laughs> more background about me and Jen is that she was around before I even launched the first episode of this podcast. And she was supposed to be on like episode four, but just due to life and schedules and how I was learning what I was doing and her availability, it hasn't happened till episode 45, just so you know. Um, But uh, 
I've gotten to listen to how she was developing her market research. And one of the questions I had back then was, how do you determine pricing and how do you determine schedule and how do you know when it's time to set it up as a real business? Um, so we've kind of gone over this and I would love to hear what different, uh, different knowledge you might have now than you had back in maybe January, whenever it was, but how do you determine your pricing? You don't have to tell me the prices because those will change over time, but did you just say, okay, well, it takes me this long and it's this far away. How did you do it? Well, I started kind of just, I, first thing I did, I think was I went on to, there's a site called rover.com. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, I'm sure you've seen ads for like care.com where you can go and you can get like maids and um, okay. people like to look after your kids. Rover is like the same, but for dog services or pet services, I should say dog, cat, whatever. Um, and I kind of did some research on there to see what other people were charging. Um, and then I kind of just was like, this seems to be the going rate and that's what I'm going to do. Um, and then I, when I got that first message from my neighbor and she asked how much I charged, I kind of was like, let me get back to you. <laughs> and then I messaged her, you know, the, this price that I had come up with. And I, I said, I was so nervous. I'm like, oh my God, what if that's too much money? I have no idea. Um, and she was like, oh no, that sounds great. And it was like, okay. Um, I have like my first one. Um, and, but interestingly, I, again, because I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm, I think every day is like a learning experience, but I'm pretty sure that's probably how it is with any business that you run. You know, you just learn something every, all the time. Um, I actually raised my rates this past year and that was like extremely nerve wracking. And I sent out a message to all of my clients. I wrote this letter and well, since you raised your rate, like, since you raised your rate, what what was your original rate? So, so to, just to give some context, uh, fifteen dollars for thirty minutes, and everything I do is in thirty minute increments. So I'll take your dog for a thirty minute walk or a thirty minute run, and then um, you know if I haven't had anybody ask for like an hour, but if they wanted an hour, you know it would probably just be double or sure. So from one business owner to a, a budding business owner. That's great. It really is. So you started off kind of doing a customer search. Hey, at first you, you did the, you did the uh, spitballing with the husband saying, Hey, husband, <laughs> maybe I'll walk a dog. And he's probably like, what? Okay. Take us, you know, take a shot at it. Right. So then, Pretty much. so then you kind of like, and this is whether you know it or not, this is the entrepreneurial spirit. You're like, well, let me do a little bit of research and figure out, does anybody want to buy this? And by using a sample size, size like your neighborhood, which is really about 60 houses, right? It's not a huge neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You're able to get one to two customers out of the gate, right? Like it was, that was good. So then, then you, then you have to do your price research, which is looking at what the competitors are charging nationwide or regionally or whatever, which was genius. Instead of just kind of winging it, you just kind of said, I'll be close to their price, right? Mm -hmm. And for that sample size, that price seems right because, you know, the drive far or you could yes. walk there. And then as most new business owners would do, they carry that pricing outside of their neighborhood. 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're looking at drive times. And when you own a business, you have to almost like a psycho, you have to stare at every number and the numbers you don't think of right down to, okay, my normal clothes that I walk dogs in, I have five different pairs and they cost this much. And if I need them in the last three months, you know what I'm saying? Or a year, you can break that down into the cost of every dog walk. And, but then you gotta look at travel times. It takes you 10 minutes to get there and then three to five minutes to get in the door and get the dog leashed up and then 30 minutes of walking. It's really that you're charging everybody almost an hour, including drive time for 45 minutes or the minute it steps yeah. into that yeah. second half hour. That becomes the second half hour. Um, it, so then you have to adjust your price. And you don't tell me your price now, but I think it gives good perspective that you, ha you have to change your price because you were just trying things still. Mm -hmm. So that's really good. <clears throat> yeah, the first few was, uh, those first few contacts I got every time that I messaged a client, like I, like my heart was like racing, like, are they going to contact me back? Did I, uh, I don't even know. Um, so the first one was through Nextdoor, and then I used Rover um, to put an ad on there for, and that's where I got the first like real group of clients. Um, I had people contacting me from, through that app, and then I would hook up with them and go and, you know, do like a meet and greet and go over everything. And it kind of felt like I was sort of like, figuring things out. Um, there's still a lot of things that I need to do to make things more official. Oh, we're not um, there yet. We're not there yet. No, there yet. I, I still I have more. I still have more foundation building questions. So you, how long did it take you before you realized you had to raise your prices? Uh, it was a, a, after that first year. Um, and I was starting to get so many <laughs> I was getting enough clients that there were certain days, uh, I have clients that aren't every day. So like certain days, like Mondays and Thursdays, I don't know what it is with those particular days where I was literally like running around like a chicken with my head cut off to try to get like to my clients within a certain time frame. that I was like, this, is it. if I don't raise my rate, that's not worth it to me. Right. I, I'm making crazy and it's not enough. Um, and then I really started to entertain the idea also, like, I'm going to have to hire somebody to help. And so if I need to hire somebody, I also need to be making more money. To do that. So, so let's say in the first three months from the, from the day that that neighbor said, yes, walk our dog in the first three months, how many repeat customers do you think you had across kind of a, a very small region? Um, in the beginning, it was like five or six. Uh, it wasn't, I don't even know if it was that many. Maybe closer to like, yeah, maybe four or five. Um, it, How often were you walking the dogs? Most of those, they weren't every day because I had like full days where I would maybe have one dog. Uh, I think on Fridays I had no dogs in the beginning. Um, so most of them was like, I, one, I had like three days a week, one was two days a week. It was kind of like that. Um, and a lot of them were in the same neighborhood. Uh, so I would like make sure like, okay, well, when I would meet with somebody else in that same neighborhood, I'd be like, try to make the days match up so I could just be there. Um, 
Now, with the drive time thing that you're just talking about, so also in the beginning, and again, I'm sure as a business owner, you can really that kind of anything that comes across, you'll take because I'm not going to turn down anybody. So I did have somebody contact me that lived out in Martinsburg. <laughs> Being new to the area, I didn't know how far away it was until I drove out there. <laughs> so I had told her my price, and then I went out there, and when I got back, I was talking to my husband. I was like, you know, it took me like 25 minutes to get there. Like, I don't want to tell her no, but I also, like, it's that's not worth my time. And so I told her, like, I know I told you this price, but I'm like, with that extra drive time, this is what I'm going to have to charge you instead. And I was like, well, worst case scenario, she says no. Like, I don't lose anything either way, but she was fine with that. Um, and so I ended up taking care of one dog in Martinsburg, and I had him like three or four times a week. It was kind of her schedule was sort of wonky, and she worked in the evening, so it was like I went out there in the evening time. Um, and uh, it was like, okay, that worked. I, I'm like always so nervous when I tell somebody, like, it's going to be this much money, that they're going to be like, no. So, oh, that, um, I mean, I think... Like I have to, I have to, people bid my jobs, you know, a mm -hmm. homeowner will say, oh, we're talking to you and four other painters this week. And I'm like, I do an eye roll because sometimes that means they're looking at the most affordable scenario. And I usually know that we're not going to be the most affordable scenario. And, and a lot of times you can get the kid in the neighborhood to come walk the dog for 10 bucks. You can yeah. You can come over and walk the dog for 10 bucks. You don't know if they're walking them. You don't know what the deal is. You don't know what you're getting. Same thing goes with painting. Do you have a guy with a paint truck with all the right ladders and drop claws? Do they have licensing? All the things that make us legit is what makes us expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but you can get a guy to do the painting for $800 or you pay me for $2,200. And you're like, that's a big spread. Why? And usually the $800 comes with an enormous amount of headaches that you didn't know were going to happen. <laughs> and, and I know, and we'll talk about this in a minute. I know that your service offers a lot more than um, a $10 kid dog walking the dog. Um, mm -hmm. So let's jump ahead for a second. When you were doing your market research over the last year or so, where did you max out? Where did you realize you had enough dogs and that this was a viable business? Um, probably, you know, <laughs> this pandemic is messing with me because I'm like, I don't even know what month it is anymore. Right. Um, probably around the summertime, summertime things like tend to, strangely would be opposite. You would think like more people would be home in the summertime and things would slow down. But in the summertime, like things just really ramp up. And I started, um, having, people contacting me about dog walking services and I had to turn them down because I literally have no more time. And that is- how many, how many miles were you running, do you think, on your busiest months per day? <laughs> uh, there were days that I would run 10 miles and probably walk another two or three miles. There was a lot of days I was like, if you took everything, running and walking together, that I was easily doing a half marathon a day. Wow. It's very tired. I bet. And that, that's per day. Is that five days a week or seven days a week? Five days a week. I tend to not take care of dogs on the weekend. Um, just during the weekend, most people are home. 
Um, now I have some clients that, you know, if they are away or so, and they need help, I'll go and do it. But I prefer to keep my weekends free to spend time with my family. So That's good. Okay. So you realize in the summer that there's definitely enough volume. You realize throughout the week, throughout the year for the most part, not pending a quarantine, <laughs> that there is enough business, enough work to make it a legit business. Some people would say, well, if you're just by yourself and you're only making a certain amount of money, just stay as a sole proprietor and just like you said, just kind of do it in your taxes and that's just how it goes. Are, have you identified any benefits that allows you to be, that would make you want to be an LLC or a, an official business? Well, um, so over the winter, I spoke with my, my accountant and, um, and we talked about a couple of different options. Um, and I think what we had come upon was doing an LLC. Uh, I forgot, I have it written down. I, I did take notes. I don't have much of a head for business, but I, I do pay attention um, as to like to do an LLC over a sole proprietorship. Um, and I think it really came down to just the goal of growing the business. I mean, that is my goal. I, I would love for this to just get bigger. I would love to be able to take it other places. Um, I mean, there's no reason not to, so. That's really good. The, um, I think when you hit LLC, you're able to um, file expenses under that business structure. So you can write off clothing that you work in. You get a specialized vehicle just for dog walking. You can write that off. Um, all your running shoes, great, great, yeah. you can write those off. Um, so it allows you to show true profits and losses and that can help you um, when it does come to tax time. It also helps you with liability. I know I put you in touch with a guy who had access to pet walker insurance. Yes. Right. Do you do you know anything about that yet, or is it still on hold? I no. I need to give them a call. Um, okay. I'm not sure if those people are available. I, I don't even know who's still working anymore. Um, my I do people have are all, my people are all still working. They're all they're all I the ones I refer to time. you. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know what? That is something that I'm going to put on my list of things to do. Well, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing that that sets you apart. You say, hey. Not only am I a dog walker runner, I also carry this business insurance and this pet, who even knows what that insurance does, but mm -hmm. that makes you legit. And even though you make less in the beginning, being legitimate with all that sort of documentation and being a real company makes you that much more credible. So even though a lot of you are looking for the $10 person, some people are like, you know what? She's going to be coming in our house, getting our dog. You know, we know we can trust her. We know, um, we know we're and getting that, a better that service. Is a big thing. And that is a huge thing that I have, when I meet with new clients, um, you know, trust. I am. I'm going in and out of people's houses. They're not home. Uh, they're giving me the key to their home. Uh, they're trusting me not only with that, but you know, a lot of these people, like it's, it's like trusting somebody with your child. Um, sure. And I do think that that does set me apart as well. I mean, I'm not a teenager. 
obviously. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a parent myself. You know, my husband works for the government in security, so I'm not going to do something stupid and get myself in trouble and potentially have my husband lose his job. You know, I am more responsible than that teenage kid up the street. Um, and I do think that that makes a difference to a lot of people. Okay, so let's shift gears for a second then. I'm in the market for a dog. And if I get a dog and I realize that this dog needs more energy spent, I want to hire a dog on a run. Tell me the process. I want to know what's it like when I, when I call you to hire you, what are the steps that are taken? And then I want to know what do I actually get when I buy something from you, when I buy your service? Okay. So the first thing that I would do is schedule a meet and greet with you. Um, you know, I'm, I know you, but I don't know your dog. I don't know how your dog is with you, with me, and outside. Um, so I'll come over, you know, we'll sit, we'll chat. And uh, a lot of that talking part for me is kind of like observing the dog there and how that dog acts. Um, I actually have had a situation where I've gone to somebody's house before to meet them and their dog, it just, it, he was pretty aggressive and um, I was not comfortable. And, you know, the, the gentleman was very, um, like, like, you know, this is just how he is in the beginning. He'll be fine. If we just sit and talk for a while, you know, he'll settle down. I'm like, okay, this, like, I didn't feel great. First of all, it was a great day. So the dog was giant. Um, and we were there and we were talking and, and the dog did finally settle down. But then like when we went to get up, the dog was like immediately up. And again, it was unsettling. It's so, like, you know, you, sometimes you have to go with your gut on things and like the whole situation, it didn't feel good. And I ended up turning them down um, for a business. But that's a lot of it. It's just like, am I comfortable with your dog? Is your dog comfortable with me when I come over? Is he coming up to me, sniffing me, you know, and just being, it's okay. They want to be curious, but like, yeah, it has to feel right. Um, Sometimes I'll be like, well, why don't we, I'll take them like on a little short walk around the neighborhood. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, I always ask a lot of questions about, you know, how your dog is when you take him on a walk. What is, how does he act when you come across other people and other dogs? <laughs> These are all very important things for me to know. Um, and we just kind of, it's really just a time for me to not only like interact with you, but really like you're that, that dog and see what it's going to be like. Um, I, I tell my clients a lot, you know, how your dog is with you is not the way your dog is going to be with me. I'm not its owner. Um, it's even if you're walking your dog and you come across people and dogs and however your dog reacts is not going to be the same way that it is with me. Um, so it's, I just need to know that I feel comfortable with that dog and confident that I can take him and that he, that dog's going to listen to me or pay attention to me um, and not make me feel like this is not going to work. Um, and that's what that first meeting is all about. And then after that, let's say you come to walk the dog, what are other things that set you apart possibly from somebody else? Well, so um, 
what I do is when I come to your home, um, you know, I, I wear my Garmin watch when I'm there. So I put the activity, I hit start so it records. So it does a GPS tracking of my walk or run with the dog. Um, when I'm done, and I try to do it as soon as I'm done, but sometimes I don't send it until I get to like my next client's house. You know, I'll take a snapshot of what we did and I always send a text message and I'm like, this was our run today. You know, I always put like a little, like we had a great run. Um, your dog peed X amount of times and pooped. And hey, you know. No, that's great. That is absolutely awesome. About poop than anybody. But what I tell my clients is I tell you exactly what I would want to know. Um, like if somebody came to my house and walked my dog, I would want to know, did my dogs poop when they were out with you? Or am I going to come home to a potential mess in my house? Um, you know, did my dog, and, and I'm sorry, this is going to be a lot about poop, but like, <laughs> you know, but look, this is, this is unfortunately a big part of my job. <laughs> um, like also if I was walking your dog and your dog had diarrhea, like you would want to know that because that means that potentially when you come home, you're coming home to a mess, you know? Or if I, I came into your house and there was a mess on the floor, like I let them know that. Um, I also, and this is probably, I don't know, me going a little above and beyond, but if I do come to your house and there is a mess, I always do my best to clean it up because I wouldn't want to come home to that um, if it was already there. So I try, um, you know, but I let them know. I try to give them all the information that I as a pet owner would want to have. Uh, and so, and then they know exactly what we did. They have a little snapshot, you know, I send them the little GPS map that we made. And so they know exactly what we did and exactly what their dog did. Um, and if anything strange happens, like, oh, you know, while we're out today, we came across like, another dog and your dog got a little, you know, a, a lot of times though, I just avoid those situations and nothing comes up. Well, what, what you're doing there with, with all of that reporting and cleaning up any mess in the house that you happen to come across when the dog's there, all that establishes value as to why your service would be superior to somebody else's for, for what they're paying for. Yeah, I have some clients that just love that. I have one client, her dog has gotten a lot better, but her, when she got her dog, she was puppy. And um, she generally, I would come to her house, I could guarantee that when I got to her house, that that dog had destroyed something. She had gotten in the trash. There was trash everywhere. She had ripped up a toy. There was toy stuffing everywhere. And I would just grab the broom and sweep it up and put it away. And then I would put it in the pantry and shut the door so she couldn't get to whatever it was. And when I would, I would always take pictures of it. And I sent it to her, my client. I'd be like, just so you know, when I got here today, this is what was waiting for me. And I'd be like, but don't worry about it. I already cleaned it all up. And that client, she loves me. Sure, I mean, yeah. she will tell everybody in the world to use me. Um, I have clients who leave me tips. Uh, she always gives me tips um, because uh, I don't know, like to me, it's not a big deal. It's exactly what I would want somebody to do for me. If you came to my house and my dog had like ripped something up and it was all over the place, it takes what, two extra minutes of my time to just put it together and stick it in the trash. So, I mean, I guess, I just to see it as like what you should do. That's a very good service. No, that, that's, and that's what should set you apart. Um, I love it. And then how do you determine what dogs can go, what kind of miles? And like, like you said, you keep it at a half hour, but 
you know, you figure out to get into the door time. So is that basically 20 minutes of running for a dog? So basically almost two miles? Um, so a lot of my dogs, the dogs that I run with, um, at first I thought I was going to determine it based on size, but that's not really a great determination because I had, I had a client, she has three beagles and I ran with all her beagles. They love to run. Um, so with all of my running clients, I do intervals that way, um, the dogs have time to like sniff around and be dogs. Um, and I always start every, even if I run, we start every run by walking. So I give them five minutes of just walking where they sniff, they do their dog things, they pee, their poo. Um, and I, a lot of that I learned from my own dog because my dog, if you run with him, he won't stop to go to the bathroom. He'll just run. He loves to run. And I have clients, dogs like that. And you almost have to make them stop so that they can go potty because the whole point of me taking them, yes, is to get energy out, but also so they can go potty while their owners aren't home. Um, so with dogs that are more energetic and usually the bigger ones, I do four minute intervals. So we walk for five minutes and then we run for four minutes and then I walk a minute and we do that for the 30 minutes. Um, and then the smaller ones, and don't ask how I came up with these time intervals because I literally just made them. <laughs> with the smaller ones, we do the same thing. We walk for five minutes and then we do two minute intervals. So I run with them for two minutes and then we walk and then two minutes and then that goes on. Um, but I have some dogs who like, they'll be like in the midst of like running <laughs> and then like a scent hits them and they just like flat out put on the brakes, which is something you have to get used to too, because you're like, whoa, <laughs> those are my arms. Um, so they kind of like, I sort of let the dog lead the way. Like if, if they want to just keep going, like, well, just, that's cool. So. Okay. So um, I'm looking at my nose. I was taking some notes while you're talking. If you're doing a half marathon a day, running and walking, how's that wear and tear on your body? <laughs> I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, I think because it's like in small chunks of time, like I, there's very few days that at the end of the day that I'm like, I, I'm sore. I mean, I'm tired and I eat a lot of food during the day. I found that's a huge thing. I have to bring a lot of snacks because um, I burn a ton of calories during the day. Um, but like wear and tear wise, I haven't noticed like, oh, my knees are aching or my back or hello, kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 like I said, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised. I was uncertain of that as well when I first started. I mean, I'm no spring chicken. So, you know, I was, I had concerns about how I was going to, to be. Um, but I do think also, because on the side with all this, like I was still doing running with bros and bras. I still go to every Tuesday run, at least as much as I could. I generally don't go on Thursdays anymore because as I said earlier, for some reason, Thursdays are one of my busiest days and they're my most like run heavy days. Like on a Thursday, I'll easily have already run seven or eight miles. Like I don't want to go for a run that evening. I'm done. Um, so, but even, and I don't know if maybe that extra running with bros and bras was helping. To, <laughs> I thought I was going to be the one with the animals in my face, but it's, you know, know. 
this um, this cat is definitely a part this cat is definitely a part of the podcast now he wants to be in everybody's business <laughs> he's block he's totally blocking the other camera so that there goes my experiment that's fine that's fine yeah well i don't have a cat anymore but if i did she'd probably be like right here in my lap right. watching right. you so um so speaking of cats do you do any uh, uh, pet sitting or is it all just running I do some pet sitting. Um, mostly it's for clients that I already have. Um, but I have, I've, I've had some people again, contact, I still have an ad up on Rover. I just keep it there. It doesn't cost anything to like, just like post a thing on there. Um, in fact, I haven't been on there in forever. So as far as I know, it's still up there. Um, but I have had people contact me about like, Oh, I'm going away for the weekend. You know, could you come over and feed my cats? And I've done that before. Um, and I, I'll even do litter boxes again. I had three cats for so many years um, and I had to have people come in and do those things for me. So I'll do that. Uh, it's just my preference again is to do the dogs. Uh, I like, I like the running. I like the walking. Um, but I like all animals. I've always had pets and so I, I don't mind. <laughs> so knowing that you were planning on getting your business set up, as a legitimate business, both federally and through the state. Um, how has the uh, COVID-19 quarantine affected how your business is playing out right now? Well, for the most part, my business is pretty dead in the water right now. Um, it's interesting though, uh, when this first started, I was still doing dog walking. And when I say first started, I mean that my son wasn't in school anymore. Um, so he was home, but thankfully, Alan was already working from home. So I could still go out and work and he would be home. So my son wouldn't be home by himself during the day. <laughs> I like your cat just looked right into the camera. <laughs> so, I know. He yeah, that's, that's, that's just how it is. Um, and I was continuing to do dog walking. And I had some clients who were working from home, but I still, they still wanted somebody, like, it, it still made it easier for them to have somebody come over. You know, this was kind of in the beginning, you know, West Virginia still had, like, no cases. And I think that we were all still kind of, like, figuring out where this was going. Um, I even had one of my clients tell me, like, I think that dog walking qualifies as an essential business. So if you want, you can still, you know, continue. And I, I did, I continued my services all the way up till April 1st. Um, that's when I, I just started to feel uncomfortable myself. Um, I try to make it right now of like everybody in my family that's going out. It's just me. Um, like my husband has gone out a couple times. I don't take my son anywhere, you know, like we'll take him hiking or outside, but I'm not taking him to a store, but I'm going to stores. So, but I'm young and I'm healthy. I have, I have a group of clients. They're all older. They're always home. Even when I go to get their dogs during the week, they're always home, but I take their dogs on a more spirited walk or a run that they can't do. So what if, God forbid, I went somewhere and I got exposed to something, but I was asymptomatic because I am young and healthy and I brought it into their house. Right. You know? I, and I really started thinking about that and I was like, I don't want to be responsible. That's, so then I, I made the decision, which was not easy, that um, as of April 1st, I was going to cut off my services. Um, 
I do have a couple clients that have to work. They are considered essential. Um, and so I am still, I have uh, two clients that I am still helping out. Um, we have like a whole system, <laughs> you know, they're not home during when I get there, which is good. And like Clorox wipes by the door. I wipe down the leashes and everything. I do the doorknobs. Um, you know, it's, it's a different world right now. Uh, it, it's crazy. And we're all like kind of figuring it out. Um, it's scary though, because I also like, I don't know what this is going to do to my business when it's all done. I'm hoping that I won't feel any change. I don't, I don't really know. I get it. I get it. The, um, it's a very, it's a very challenging time when you're trying to figure out what, how your business should be in any business that's heavily established is going to kind of going to the same thing. Will people still need my services? I know they will. I think they'll be slower to, to hire or slower to say, okay, let's do it. Or there might be, it might go crazy and everybody wants stuff done immediately. Um, <laughs> I imagine you won't lose much business at all once you decide to fire things back up. I'm and really hoping I, not. Yeah. And, and that, I think that comes down to if I was a dog walker, just wearing gloves and a mask when you're in the person's house and then take it off and then put it back on when you go back in. In my mind, yeah. it seems simpler. And there's going to be a bunch of probably federal regulations on how businesses need to be performed and quite a bit more oversight, which would be a pain in the butt, but I really doubt that's going to trickle down to a service like dog walking. Or maybe it will. It's hard to say. I really don't know. Um, you know, it's a shame too, because <laughs> as my husband pointed out the other day, like things were really ramping up for me, like to the point of hiring somebody to help me out. Like I, I was like looking down all these avenues and then this just like slams a big door in your face. And uh, I mean, no, nobody could prepare for this, right? Like, no. There's no precedent, so. No, well, Jen, here's the deal. This is what I do, and, and you have a friend that you talk to for coaching when it comes to business, and I wonder what their perspective is also, but my perspective on this is one of, I'm ready to, as soon as it lifts, my company is actually ready to attack. We're ready to be extremely streamlined and efficient moving forward as the economy begins some sort of rebound or a further depression but ultimately I'm positioning myself so that I know I can be 150% moving forward. Like I know that and I think that's what you should be doing. You should be saying, Hey, let's do, let's make sure my website's up. You take this time to build your website, to build your social media, to build um, how you like a, a more streamlined version of how you deliver the content through text message to people, or if it's an email, you know, that's, and then when you do go to hire people, are they going to be forced to wear the Strava watch? So spend this time looking for deals on Strava. You know what I'm saying? It's like literally you are given, you're being given a pause button for your business. And although you're not making any money, this is extremely invaluable time that you will not have once it gets busy again, especially oh. as you go legit. So this really should be your time of reflection and in making it be the most badass dog on a run it can be. So interestingly, I was talking to somebody 
who is a, quite a accomplished business person who had mentioned, oh goodness, hold on. That's my, my vacuum cleaner. My robot vacuum is going off. Let me turn it off. Okay. You want to say hi to the camera? Hello. Hello. Sorry, okay. it must be three o'clock. That's what, what time my, my vacuum starts vacuuming. Um, hold on, look, my other dog came in to say hi. Oh, hello. Look, Bella, you can be on TV. Um, anyhow, so this person had mentioned about finding other dog walking Facebook pages. I'm talking about you, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> and I did uh, actually joined a page and that is something that, that they've been talking a lot about. Uh, I've actually been doing a lot of reading on there because it's interesting. Now this page is not just people in America, it's people all over the world. Um, and it is interesting how different people are doing different things during this pandemic. There are some people who are like, I'm just gonna keep, doing my job, I'm gonna keep walking dogs, um, you know, I'm gonna do whatever. And I, every person has done what I think is what they feel is the best thing for themselves. Like I said, for me, I probably would have clients who would have still used my services. I just, for me, didn't feel comfortable continuing. Um, but that, what you, all those things you had mentioned was things that, cause people are on there all the time saying, what are you guys doing during this, and that's, that's a lot of it is going on to social media, you know, improving your Facebook page. Um, I just read one today, you know, and I, I, I get ideas to do things and then life happens and then it doesn't always work out, you know, but I, even today I read and somebody's like, well, I send like a weekly just text message update to my clients. And I keep, I, I have checked in with quite a number of them, but I'm like, I should really make that like a once a week thing. Like, hey, how are you guys doing? You know, say hi to Rover for me and I really miss seeing you guys. And I have been with some of my clients, um, you know, I check in with them. I just want to check to see how everybody is doing, you know, but this is definitely a time that I could be using to um, be building all of that framework, making it stronger for when this does hopefully go away and we bounce back, right? That's the goal and that we come back as strong as we were before. So it would be good to have a stronger base. Um, just some days are harder than others. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I also like the idea if I was in your shoes, so new to like, starting a business even is to additionally reanalyze your prices say okay now now i know it costs it costs y because it was x now it's y and um i think for every client i have it can stay y because they were on during my market research but now i need to develop pricing z for how it is really moving forward for when it comes to the fact that i have to hire a an employee or I have to hire um you know bookkeeping a way to kind of measure all of the different pieces that go into the pricing I think that would be something that would benefit you also but I mean every you know it's hard to homeschool and it's hard to do all those sort of uh 
keep the family together and that sort of stuff when you're quarantined the way that we are. But I think, I think you can come out swinging with a whole new price schedule and a whole new, whole new approach, especially with a website. Where are you going right now? My battery is dying. I had to get the cord. <laughs> I just That's wanted awesome. to take on a quick spin around my house because eventually you're going to come here and paint it for me. So no problem. No problem. Okay. Um, well, look, I mean, we're getting close to, I think, almost all the questions being answered. But I would really encourage you to be, to be like, hey, like this, you need, I mean, commit to putting in 24 hours over the next two weeks of, of really conceptually building what you want it to be or what you think will be the most efficient and then build it, sleep on it, then talk to your connections on the, on the social media page and say, hey, what do you think about these ideas? Um, I, you can build a website in a matter of two hours using some of these drag and drop programs. And I think, I think you need to have a website. Yeah. Um, it's probably a little more professional right now. I only have a Facebook page and having a website is probably. Well, I can probably help you when it comes to website stuff because I build them a lot and then I rebuild them. And, and then what's great about them is you can adjust them all the time. Mm -hmm. So I guess your next steps are to get established um, federally and statewide so that you're a legitimate business. Figure out what you need to carry to be a legitimate business. Adjust your pricing a slight, slight amount because here's the deal. You, can, you can't ever ask for more. You can always lower your price. So if you, if you charge somebody $40 and you realize it's way easier than you planned, you can charge them $35. You know, mm -hmm. Or, hey, prepay for three months straight and I can give you a 10% discount. You can't pull that off unless you have a high enough price. Yes. And again, that, that page that I found, this dog walker page, there are people that they do where you like prepay like X amount of like for a month's worth of services. And I guess you get a discount. Like I would have never sure. thought of doing something like that. So yeah, I, th I think it's easier to offer discounts. Uh, for example, um, I have to adjust all my pricing because we offer credit card purchases now. So I have to adjust mm -hmm. that 2.1 2 to 2.9% interest uh, or not interest, but fee. The fees. And yeah. I don't, I mean, thousand dollar job. That could be it's a lot of money, a lot of money. So it's like, and that's just to take a payment. That doesn't make any sense to me. So mm -hmm. if it breaks down to just dog walking prices, even it's, it still adds up to being a lot of money. So you got to take that into account and say this much. Um, eventually, you're going to need bookkeeping software. That's going to cost you between $50 and $75 a month. You mm -hmm. figure you do 75 dog walks in a month. That's a dollar off of every, just to, just to have bookkeeping software. You know, this, 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 things like that. When you start to look at all your expenses, you realize that you have to be more expensive. And it's easier to realize that early than it is later. But Right now, you've got, I mean, this is your college time. This is the time to be literally grinding and figuring it out what you've got to do. Um, because once you get busy again, you are going to lose 900% of the time you have now. That's like true. you'll have literally nothing, no time to do it. So, as someone starting a business, this is beautiful and great opportunity for you, I think. So, it's a nice way to put a positive spin on what's going on right now. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
the companies that will survive will be the ones that are able to hunker down and rebuild and attack as soon as as soon as the restrictions are, are lifted. Mm -hmm. So no website yet, but on Facebook, you can be found at Dog on a Run, which is D-O-G-G-O-N-E-A Run. And I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, you can also text June, uh, Jen at 240-447-1757. And um, you probably don't need dog walking right now, but um, when it's coming up, get a hold of you or pre-book you because I imagine you're that's another thing to determine how many actual available slots do you have inside of a zone and then write it down and say that's it I can't take every job uh, another move I like is okay I have these 20 prime prime time slots I fill these at full price and then you have secondary time slots that are slightly more affordable and then you have the third time slot, which are a little more affordable. And that way, your, you, your prime hours that you know are the most difficult for you, but most beneficial for others, you are truly being compensated at an appropriate rate for. But again, I, I can talk about this crap all day. <laughs> um, so is there anything we missed? Anything else you want to share? I don't think so. Just hope everybody's out there staying healthy. Staying safe. Well, cool. This, this too will pass, right? Absolutely. Well, Jen, thanks for being on. Jen with Dog on a Run. I look forward to seeing where this goes. And uh, hopefully in about six to eight months, we can have an update podcast to hear how the business has shifted and, and what you've learned. Because that's one of the things I want to have on this podcast is lessons that other business owners have learned. And um, I encourage you to listen to these podcasts uh, as well as other business podcasts so you can you can just hear what others are going through and realize a that you're not alone and b you'll hear like i had no idea i should approach something like that you know so mm -hmm. okay well that's it thank you so much for being on sure thanks for having me i'll see you later this podcast is brought to you by city national bank in ransom west virginia I am Melissa Knott and manage both of our Jefferson County locations. Our Charlestown location is located on George Street in Charlestown and the Ransom location is located in the Potomac Marketplace Shopping Center. City National Bank is a full-service community bank that provides an array of financial services. We offer a range of free checking accounts and savings products for both consumer and business customers. City National Bank offers competitive low-rate and low-cost lending products for both business and personal needs. Come and talk to me or one of my team members and get products and services that are tailored to fit your schedule and help you to achieve your financial goals. I can be reached at both the Ranson and Charlestown locations. Check out our website at www.bankatcity.com. Today's intro song is called Mean in a Good Way. It's written and performed by Peter Clark off of his album, Peter Clark After Dark. Peter, <laughs> Peter describes this song as being the best song to learn hula hooping to. Peter is an avid hooper and recently started a hula hoop repair business. If you ever need hula hoop repair, consider contacting Peter. You can reach him on SoundCloud. Just search Peter Clark After Dark.